This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation, helping people find hope after loss. We hope you'll visit us on the our Open to Hope site, where you know we've got thousands of articles and things to help you on your journey of grief, loss, hope, and healing, lots of radio shows and YouTubes. Well, Heidi, good morning, or I should say afternoon in New York. Good morning, Mom. Um, it's, yep, it's, it's 1 o'clock. Yeah, it's cl- and I'm in San Francisco, and it's uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, and we are getting close to Valentine's. That's a big day for a lot of people, don't you think? Absolutely, because if you're used to getting a Valentine's with someone that you love and they're no longer here, I think it's really, really hard, really hard. Yeah, you know, this grief and loss thing's kind of all about the heart, and uh, Valentine's is, is certainly that, about love and the heart, and and uh, our heart goes out to you and opens to you at this time of year. And we, we like to say to you, if you've lost hope, lean on ours until you find it again and, and take care of yourself during these seasons. Don't you think, Heidi, really they need to get rest and drink water and go for walks and all that kind of thing? You really do. I mean, because there, there's a lot of reminders out there. And, you know, even with children, I think sometimes it's hard for kids if there's a lot of reminders and if, you know, if they're having a difficult time because of a certain holiday at school, I always say, well, maybe they need to take that day off and not go to school on that day mm-hmm. if it's too difficult. For example, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and even Valentine's sometimes. Absolutely. So anyway, we, uh, keep that in mind. Well, we've got a great show today and uh, a great guest, and I think that it's uh, very inspirational because this is a person uh, who has really gone out of his way to try to help people and to, to help people deal with the losses in their life uh, is Senator Gordon Smith, and he's two-time senator from Oregon and now uh, currently president of the National Broadcasting Association. Heidi, why don't you tell our folks a little bit about uh, Gordon? First, we'll say hi to you, uh, Senator Smith. Thank you. I'm delighted to be on your show. It's great to have you on. We're excited to have you here. Um, love your book. In 2003, as you know, your 21-year-old son, Garrett, died by suicide, and you've since written a book entitled Remembering Garrett, One Family's Battle with a Child's Depression, and we'll talk more about that, and one of the things I really loved about it was how candid and honest you were. It was really refreshing to read that. Um, oh, and also, you. I've got to say, in 2004, President George W. Bush signed the Garrett Lee Smith Memorial Act. Now, quote, now, tell me if I'm wrong, authorizing $82 million for suicide prevention and awareness programs at colleges, is that correct? That is correct. It's, it's broader than just colleges. It's um, $82 million annually to uh, colleges and universities, uh, to states, uh, and to Indian tribes to help set up suicide right. prevention uh, networks. Um, and that it, the money goes for training, it goes for intervention, it goes for hope and healing and all kinds of things that are coordinated through SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse Mental Health Agency. And so far, it is a very effective program, and it's probably not a week goes by that I don't hear from someone whose child has been helped because of the funding that goes through the Garrett Lee Smith Memorial Act. Oh, what a, what a wonderful thing. Well, tell us a little bit about Garrett. Uh, Garrett. Uh, what kind of a kid was he? I think a pretty amazing one, I think. Well, Garrett was um, just such a sweet boy. Um, my wife and I 
um, never uh, were able to have children uh, naturally, and so we adopted our three children. And Garrett was our second child, and he, he came to us as an infant with uh, a beautiful, handsome face, uh, you know, bushy brown hair, big chocolate brown eyes, and uh, a smile that would, uh, would would melt the snow on a cold winter morning. And uh, as he grew up, <clears throat> Garrett uh, uh, manifests some, some uh, developmental disabilities in that he walked slowly, he talked slowly, but he ultimately developed all of those capacities. But uh, it wasn't long into his school years um, that uh, it was very clear that he had trouble sequencing things. And so as his age uh, permitted it, we, we had him tested very thoroughly and repeatedly and came to, to learn that uh, he had an IQ uh, that approached 140, which is like wow. Einstein level. Mm-hmm. And uh, but he had severe uh, dyslexia, and that uh, was a great complication to his ability to make his way in school, and was a source of endless frustration to him as he as he grew older. He was mm-hmm. kind and he was gentle. He had friends among boys and girls. Um, he uh, simply, though, as he as he got into his teenage years we would notice that he seemed to become reclusive episodically, not all the time, uh, but he would sort of draw into himself and would be very quiet and uh, go to his room and and uh, seemed incapable of coming out for a while. It wasn't until he uh, was leaving high school and wanted to serve a church mission that he indicated on an application that he suffered from depression. And neither Sharon, my wife, nor I, you know, were were prone to depression and uh, had experienced very little of it in our own lives. And as a consequence, perhaps, we really didn't know what we were dealing with. And uh, I suspect we're like many uh, parents uh, in this country uh, that sort of say to their kids when they have these reclusive periods, you know, buck it up, go to work, you'll get over it. And didn't understand the the, uh, the the true nature of what he struggled with. Boy, I know that I so identify with the dyslexia piece of this because I have a twelve and a half year old son who has dyslexia, and you don't realize how hard these kids have to work, and how frustrating yeah. it is for them. Like you said, for him to have a high IQ and having to work so hard and it not coming together as easily as easily as it does for other kids. And it's hard on the self-esteem and how you perceive yourself. Oh, absolutely. Um, and he, he was much loved by others, but he didn't love himself. And uh, mm-hmm. ultimately that led him to take some actions that uh, ended his life. And it just, you know, there's a hole as, as big as the sun in our in our hearts, and it'll never really close. But we... Uh, when we think of Garrett now, we think of him with a smile. And uh... You know, I, I know there's so many people out in our audience right now who are identifying with this story. And one of the things that I think that is amazing and, and that they want to know, because a, a lot of them out there who listen to the show are maybe only 
just recently uh, had a child die or uh, even died by suicide. And they're thinking, wow, will I ever get to the point where I could come on and talk about that? And and one of the things that I've found very interesting about your story and the way you've handled it, because we first met you when you were talking to probably about 1,200 people at the Compassionate Friends National Conference. And how, you know, talk about the stigma. I mean, how did how did you feel when when you, you know, were just told and, and did you feel, you know, like you could tell people or how, how did you deal with it? Well, I, I can uh, tell you that when we were first told by uh, the poli- a police officer in our area who came to our home late one evening, um, the police officer asked if, if he could visit with us. And of course, we let him in the house and went into my den and he said, uh, Senator and Mrs. Smith, I don't know how to make this easy for you, but uh, I have the duty to tell you that your son, Garrett Lee Smith, was found uh, dead in his um, college apartment, uh, and it appears to have been a suicide. And at that juncture, um, you know, I, I, I just have to say my world collapsed, and, and uh, uh, it was the most difficult moment uh, I've experienced on Earth. And... Um, because I was a public person as a U.S. senator, uh, there's no way to keep that private news private. And uh, because clearly it would hit the press, and so we had to quickly figure out how to uh, announce it. And when my chief of staff asked that terrible question the next morning, how do you want to deal with this? I said, well, let's just be honest and tell the the terrible truth about my son that he he has battled for years with uh, with manic depression and he he has lost that fight and I'm going home to bury my son and that was basically the uh, the press release and uh, you know it, it's it, it it there's just no words to describe how shattering an event that is. And frankly, there's no owner's manual for how to bury uh, a child. Uh, every parent will deal with it uh, in his or her own way. But I suppose, fortunately, for for me and for Sharon, um, our recovery, if there is such a thing, was um, a fairly predictable one and, and fairly restorative for us. And we went from, you know, catastrophe and chaos to figuring out how to grieve and to cope, and then finally to uh, another plateau of, of acceptance, which turned to advocacy wow. manifest in legislation. What a, what a journey. Well, let me go back a little bit, because um, in some ways, I, I hate to call it an advantage, but being a public figure, people knew. I mean, what about the person who's there whose child just killed themselves and they run into people at the supermarket, and it's not so public. They've got to tell. Did you have to tell people who didn't know? That must be really difficult. It must be horrible uh, because friends ask about your children, and um, yet um, I suppose you're right. It was maybe a, a, a blessing in disguise that uh, this was a media story the next day. And so the whole state of Oregon and Many advocates uh, on the, these issues around the country knew of it, and uh, uh, you know it became something of a of a help to me. Though 
you don't know how to deal with it at first because you feel like everything else you've ever done in life or achieved in life is seems so meaningless and so unimportant compared to the loss of, of your child and the sense of failure that you feel as a suicide survivor, as a parent. Um, well, well, and Senator, you were so honest in your book about that when you said basically that you felt you would fail at the most important and lasting responsibility, that of family, of fatherhood, and yet yes. you'd achieved in all other areas of your life. Yeah, so that, and that's what was so, so difficult. Uh, but what I found is that people generally... Um, Oh, there's always a few horrible exceptions, but generally speaking, the public uh, understood, and they everybody struggles with the rearing and nurture of their children. Mm-hmm. And the outreach to me and to Sharon was was warm and wonderful and wide, and uh, that was really was helpful to us to pick ourselves up and uh, to dust ourselves off and to move on. Well, and it looks like another thing that was helpful is when you realized that, that you met with Kay Redfield Jameson at, from John Hopkins and realized that Garrett suffered from bipolar, and you hadn't known yes. that. She was incredible, and, and I would just highly recommend to anyone who's had a this terrible ordeal to go through as we have to read her, her writing. She herself uh, suffered from depression mm-hmm. and attempted suicide several times and she is a remarkable writer and she helped me to understand that that my son's suicide wasn't about me it wasn't about my failure it really had very little to do with me and it had everything to do with with a physical affliction that he suffered in his mind and that knowledge and learning about uh psychiatry and the the diseases of of the mind helped me to understand Garrett's problems in a way that had I known earlier maybe I could have done something but maybe not but uh you tend to blame yourself when something like this happens and uh in truth the causes are much broader than you know one father or one mother now and let me say yeah overwhelms the sufferer um, you talk about as far as being overwhelmed, because as I said, we've got some newly brewed people. You actually went to bed in his bed, right? I did. Uh, that that night, I just went up to his room and crawled in with his uh, little boy teddy bears and uh, mm. just spent a night in hell trying to, I don't think I slept a wink, but so what was I had so many tears I could shed, but I did. <laughs> Was there a turning point for you early that made you decide you were going to make it or live, or do you remember anything? I, there were many, and there were many people uh, who reached out to me, uh, all the way from the president of the LDS Church, uh, Gordon B. Hinckley, uh, to my neighbors, uh, to colleagues, um, everyone who is aware of someone else suffering this should understand that that you're uh, reaching out, uh, saying a kind word, just saying you're sorry. All of those things are helpful. Too often when we hear of these tragedies in others' lives, we think, I don't want to bother them now. And the truth is you need to bother them by just expressing 
the, the, the human sentiments that you feel of sorrow and regret and willingness to be a shoulder to lean on. Uh, but you also have to be open to that, too, right? Yes, you do. So, And it's not always easy to open that door. It, it is not easy, but it is really important to, um, because all of us have experiences in, in helping others who are grieving. But, but when you're the one that has to grieve, uh, it really is important to be open to others uh, who want to be helpful because it'll help you. Uh, thank you so much. For, uh, I find it there. helpful for people to say, you know, I, I've been through a similar loss and I've survived. Early on, yeah. I needed to see that there was other out, other people out there that had not only been through it, but they had survived and they were still functioning in life. And I just needed to look at them and know that. No, I wasn't yes. alone. And- and I, and I think it, it also helps people to know that they will go through stages of grief. And the mm-hmm. more they can learn about uh, the grieving process, the more strength that they will gain through knowledge. And then that knowledge will become wisdom as they experience these different plateaus. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, uh, Senator Smith. I know that you've helped a lot of people, and uh, Garrett has done a huge amount of work uh, for the short life that he had. And, and we appreciate everything that you and your family and are doing, your wife Sharon and uh, your children Morgan and Brittany. And we uh, just thank you so much again for being on the show today. Well, my my privilege and my pleasure to be on with you. And my best to all of uh, your listeners, um, those who have gone through grieving of this kind of intensity. I just simply am a, another witness to the fact that uh, Time doesn't fully heal, um, but it helps. And when you think of your loved one in the future, if you'll remember one key, and this is the key given to me by the, the chaplain of the United States Senate, he said that gratitude is a perfect antidote to grief. And so whenever I feel overwhelmed by grief, uh, if I remember to simply say, uh, Lord, I am so thankful that Garrett was a part of my life for 21 years plus a day. If I say that, all of a sudden everything gets into context and gratitude banishes grief. Gratitude is a key. Oh, thank you I so much that. again. And I wanted to thank you also, Senator Smith, and just say that Garrett is doing as much in his death as he did in his life to help others through the Garrett yes, Lee Smith Memorial Act. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, Heidi, what a great show today, wasn't it? Uh, Senator Smith is a real inspiration. I hope people will get his book, Remembering Garrett, One Family's Battle with a Child's Depression. Uh, there's just a lot in that book, and I know a lot of help to all you who are suffering out there. And again, we um, take care of yourself during uh, this Valentine's Day season and, and uh, tune in again next week. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.